Hey there, uh, John Kenobi here to tell you about audible.com. Audible.com is a great way to experience books if you don't have uh, the time to read them. Uh, what do they are? Are audiobooks, and we've got a special offer for you at Cinema 7. If you go to www.audibletrial.com backslash c7pod, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial today and get a free audiobook. Now, this can be anything they offer. It gives you one credit. It can be anything. That's yours. You will keep it after you lose the trial. Uh, you can use this to uh, read a book you, you know you might not have time to read or catch up with all the different Hollywood movies that are being made from books, uh, Annihilation, Ready Player One, etc., etc. Uh, our friend Mario uses it for various random audio dramas. If that's what you're into, give it a shot. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash C7pod. Discover what Audible has over 1 million audiobooks and dramas and all types of things. Just give them a shot. Uh, thanks. Welcome to Cinema 7, a uh, special edition of Cinema 7 Goes to Broadway. Today, uh, it's just me and uh, my good brother, detective, Nick Kenoki. <laughs> How's it going? He's uh, he's a detective in a detective stance currently because of how we're recording this. <laughs> you won't understand why, but uh, I hope you can appreciate the joke. Uh, today we're talking about Spongebob on Broadway. We both recently saw it on Broadway, and uh, it was a, it was an experience, I, I to say the least. Uh, a delightful experience. And I'm just going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time if you can't tell us apart, because we are seven years apart identical. We're identical twins, born seven years apart, so we sound the same and look alike, even though that doesn't matter to you. I thought we were clones. We're like brothers. Only, Only closer. closer. Uh, but yeah, so I've seen uh, a musical before, uh, like a big budget musical production. Have you, you haven't, right? No, I haven't seen like anything other than high school musicals, pretty much. And not the high school musical, but like actual high school musicals. Like amateur play productions. Yes. So I, because I've seen The Lion King, I saw it when uh, we. We went to London, we took a trip there, and that was an experience. And uh, my, my girlfriend, Jennifer, she's seen it twice. I mean, it, it's good every single time, so it had a lot to live up to. And then we saw Anastasia the day before we saw SpongeBob, and that was great. So this this was a, a big deal for me. I mean, what were you expecting? I mean, it was exciting for uh, seeing my first Broadway play. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect uh the high school 
plays I had seen were fairly well funded and uh, well put on by the community, but they were just amateur things. So it wasn't anything super special. But I was I was kind of stunned walking in to my first Broadway play um, to see the just all the decorations and how it how it's all put together the the artistry of the the props and the posters and uh all the lights just everything around it it's definitely a big deal and i think even more so on broadway uh the things i've seen at chrysler hall or near us and then when i saw lion king in london it wasn't nearly as big budget setting wise i guess i mean there are lights and you know like stage props but in terms of like the actual just theater being decorated that's not usually the case and i mean from the get-go there's massive contraptions on the sides of the stage and uh large uh coral flowers hanging from the ceiling and uh hooks hanging from the ceiling as well Uh, yeah it, it was it was definitely uh fantastic and the palace where we saw it i mean that place was huge yeah Everything too, like all the decorations looked uh very doable from like a just a regular person standpoint. Like they were amazing, but they I would equate it to like cosplayers and how when they put together their uh their outfits and their costumes, it's all stuff like put together in some person's house, but it looks so amazing. Um and you could kind of tell some of that in the decorations there, but I think because of that, it made it ten times better. Yeah, almost as if uh, like an achievable feeling. Yeah. Where you see like a big budget movie and it's all this CGI and computer graphics and you know like you wouldn't be able to do that without a ton of money, but like this is something that you can appreciate because it's more practical almost, but... Yeah, of course it takes a ton of money, but it's still practical well i could make one of those mousetrap machines work i mean could you hang it on the side of the palace i could try (laughs) you'd probably get arrested i'd probably kill someone (laughs) but i mean in terms of first impressions just going into it i think it was i mean i've seen a play before so i knew what to expect but and just the sheer size of the theater itself kind of took me back because we were on the third level and i've never been to a um a theater on a third level like that. I've never been to one that had a third level. I've been on the second level and the first level. So when I went to see uh let's play live at the Hippodrome in Baltimore, that was a big theater, but it wasn't nearly that size. And it only had two levels to it. Um, two very large levels, but it like the palace is huge. And was that like more like a standard amphitheater or was it like, it was like an actual theater, like um, similar similar decorations, like very classical feel, like paintings on the walls, like murals and stuff like that. Was it the same size in terms of like uh, front of the stage to the back or was it larger? Because I always pictured it as kind of almost like a high school amphitheater thing, like where it'd be more seats going backwards as opposed to the palace that goes up. It. The stage wasn't as huge, but it was a pretty nice size stage. I was kind of close up to it, so I didn't get to see quite as well as how far back it went. They didn't really use too much 
like backstage it was a lot of technical equipment there but um that makes sense i mean yeah. they're playing playing games like a what a couple screens probably yeah it was about seven screens and then all the cords in the back so um but yeah i mean that's about the extent of my experience yeah so let's let's talk uh, i mean now that you know you as the listener know where we come from we're obviously not broadway critics i mean Honestly, we've we've seen very select musicals to begin with, or theater things in general, which this is, you know, almost the pinnacle of both talking about what's on Broadway. Uh let's let's talk about the the beginning of the play and just initially how you reacted to the characters, how they looked, just the the voices and everything cuz from the get-go, I mean, you get SpongeBob immediately, you get Skateboard Gary, the and- narrator you you get the narrator and Apache the pirate. We can talk about him. So, what did you think going like immediately when it started? Uh, well, the first thing is Patchy the pirate. He comes on stage, and I I liked that because it was a good uh, setup for SpongeBob. And it was a good setup for like this. This is a Broadway play. This is like the pinnacle of theater and and the performing arts and. It starts off just like a SpongeBob special with Patchy uh, being ridiculous, even if he had an Irish accent. His pirate voice was not the best. It was not. But then he gets kicked off the theater and it sets up for the play, uh, for the musical. And uh, the narrator's voice was pretty spot on. And then it goes into SpongeBob. And I was really, I didn't see much of the. Uh, musical before going in i didn't see any of like the characters i didn't even see what they looked like until i walked into the the palace and we were in line and we saw them on the screens there it was really kind of overwhelming to me it was really in a positive way because obviously it's going to be difficult for them to put a sponge on stage but the way uh ethan slater the actor who played spongebob portrays them from the moment you know, it starts uh, off with him waking up. The way he portrays him was just a uh, spot-on, like, perfect way to make it, um, to bring SpongeBob to life on the stage. Yeah, it was almost like from the get-go, the minute you meet him, it's he is the the human personification of SpongeBob, which is uh, it's kind of hard to do, um, considering how outlandish SpongeBob is himself, and how much like non-human things he does, you know, like spinning around and extending himself and splitting in two and stuff. But I mean, from the moment you, you get introduced to Ethan Slater's character, you really feel like he is that, that human SpongeBob, even though SpongeBob isn't human. And you know that, you know, it's like you, you've grown up with this SpongeBob who's ridiculous, but you're watching this guy act into a SpongeBob and it's a believable character, which is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I th- I think you really hit it on the head there because it really it felt the whole production as a whole felt like a SpongeBob special. Uh, it didn't feel like they left anything out or were trying to do their own thing or or anything. It was it was really spot on. There was a there was something I forgot to mention. That's the beginning where they started out with the little model of Bikini Bottom, specifically the, the three main characters' houses. 
Um, but they do go back to that later on when they're talking about the town and like they're looking down on the town and they just do it with like little action figures. And that's like a direct callback to SpongeBob using like inanimate objects to yeah. like do cutaways, which was fantastic. Yeah, very early on SpongeBob, like the episode where they're competing with uh Sandy and they go to the the shore and she's like, You guys wouldn't stand one minute on the surface and it's just a sponge, a sea star, a plastic crab, and a stuffed squirrel on a like a fake sand island. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that was pretty cool just to see that because they, I mean, they give you that from basically the minute it starts that you just get to look at that until it actually starts. But uh, just because we've been touching on it, comparing it to the cartoon, I think there was tons of relatable theater experience things that relate to the cartoon but were adapted in theater i mean just talking about that for one um but that's just it's crazy how they were able to do that so well yeah i mean whoever like all the minds that came together to to make this uh musical happen uh you can tell it just comes off as something that it's like true spongebob fans people who knew the series since its creation and I'm sure people like producers and Nickelodeon had a hand in it uh, for a bit too, because it's their like it's their IP to protect. So it was very very authentic. And what um what was the other thing that they they did that was very like the oh how it kind of um there from very early on when Squidward first gets introduced. They do the freeze frames where everybody freezes and it's just the one character singing. Yeah. And it, it feels like the cartoon thing where it's like it's in their head and they're they're singing it to us, but it's all in their head and everything's frozen around them. Yeah, they do the same thing with Plankton a lot where he, he always has a lot of internal monologue and they freeze the stage. They, they dim the lights and just focus on Plankton and what he's thinking and how he's plotting which works really well for the character and especially the guy who, who played him. Cause I mean, he did a really good job at that, but yeah, you, you do get the classic, you know, uh, maniacal plankton plotting all the time. Cause every scene he's in, he almost has a cutaway to where he has his own, like internal monologue discussing what he's thinking. Even in the, like, I, th- I believe in the middle and the beginning of his song of like plankton's, solo song uh he does it yeah he has his own monologue and i mean that's that's classic plankton that's that's something you know you get all the time and i mean some of the other characters like uh, mr Krabs and patrick they're all very true to their characters but in a way that's relatable to an audience that may not be as familiar with spongebob like patrick is obviously very dumb but he's not so dumb in a way that like the audience couldn't relate Cause he's like really into TV and eating, you know, it's not like he's out there stupid that we sometimes get with uh, Patrick in the show. Yeah. That makes sense. He's not as much stupid as he's just simple, simple and lazy for the most part. And then Mr. Krabs, obviously, you know, he's greedy, only cares about money, but he's not like outlandishly greedy, you know, where he only cares about money. You just get the sense that, I mean, with the Pearl and Mr. Krabs song, you know, he's like, blinded by it almost not that 
that's all he cares about. Because, I mean, you'd never get that in the show where Mr. Krabs would, like, not care about his daughter. But they use that song to just try to explain his character to you if you don't know SpongeBob. Because, I mean, this movie really relates to everyone, even if they don't know SpongeBob. You know, I'm glad you called it a movie by mistake. Well, I mean, it really feels that way. It because it does. It feels like something that they could have made into like a third SpongeBob movie uh, and didn't. And they put it on a Broadway stage instead, which was a phenomenal choice. Did you see the second SpongeBob movie? I did not. I heard it wasn't as good as the first one because the first one is fantastic. The first one is fantastic. And part of the reason why I didn't see the second one was uh, because of the live action uh, animation, like cross aspect of it. Well, Slash is in the second one. Yeah. I mean, that's it might be worth watching. And I mean, just the first one did the same thing. They went above ground and David Hasselhoff and stuff, but I didn't like how they were like superheroes or whatever, and they're all bulky. Yeah, they, I mean, I think they're entirely above ground, but I mean, that's beside the point. This really does feel like uh, just another episode or, you know, a, a movie because it is two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, we review movies, so it's an easy mistake to uh, to make. But, I mean, there was tons of large, like, musical numbers and a lot of different styles incorporated in this movie. Or, uh, 12 o'clock midnight. Broadway show. My apologies. Um, what what was your, your favorite? Um, well, there's quite a few. Like you said, there's... If you look on the soundtrack on uh spotify there's the simple sponge which is like spongebob's big solo song there's a bikini bottom day which is the opening like uh it goes on for quite a bit it's actually a few different sections uh in the musical and they kind of just lump it together that's like the whole town intro kind of thing yeah it's it's the introduction song um and then there's Squidward's song, I'm Not a Loser, which is fantastic live. There's um, a lot of tap dancing in that. And then there's Plankton's song, which is like rapping and hip-hop themed. I think probably my favorite would have to be Bikini Bottom Day with the like with the reprise. Because all of it together is just... Uh, it's a really good upbeat song and it kind of encapsulates encapsulates what SpongeBob is, what being SpongeBob is and what the series is about. Yeah, I I think I think that's really good. I mean, my personal favorite is Simple Sponge. I I mean number 1 because the Mr. Crab echo away into it, which is fantastic. He uh he calls him a simple sponge then backs off stage echoing Simple Sponge to lead into the song. And then simple, he, sponge. simple Sponge. Simple Sponge. He even shows up sponge. during the song at, in the background up on the, the like little rafters that they had in the little bridge saying it, which was awesome. But he's like, and you know, dimmed and, you know, not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be that shadow echoing in his mind, which is great. Yeah. And, and I mean, for, for our listeners, um, the soundtrack is is pretty fantastic, but I mean, I find myself listening to it and wishing there were parts of the live performance in it 
Um, because of course the live performance is going to be better. There's just definitely uh, nuances in each song that were um, that were missed on the soundtrack. I think I made a comment to you earlier when I was listening to it that they've refined their performance each each night performing this play, uh, and you can definitely hear it from the soundtrack that was no doubt probably recorded before they even performed for the first time. Yeah, and I mean you should definitely. I mean, if you ever get the chance, if it goes on tour or something, it's definitely something that, you know, you need to experience and see. That's why we're not really, we're not going to touch on the plot overall, because, I mean, that's not really what it's about. It's about the production and, you know, the heart that these people bring into it, because, I mean, you can definitely feel that. Uh, I mean, I think each actor brings uh, almost a charisma to the, the role that you can feel. Like, you feel like they wanted to be there and they wanted to make it a a great musical. Yeah, and you can definitely tell that each each person puts emotion into each line of their their music that they're performing on stage. The emotion you get on stage, um I mean the one that's super obvious is Pearl in the Mr. Krabs Pearl song on the soundtrack Pearl is a lot quieter. Um her range is like diminished in the soundtrack and then on stage she could have shattered glass it was fantastic oh my god the audience went nuts it was it was crazy every time she did anything and that was just that's just like a personal spin on you know something that you might not get every performance but you when you get it you know their their hearts in it yeah i'm sure we also saw it on saturday night so it was like one of their bigger nights and I'm sure she does something slightly different with each one of those whales, if you will. Each each performance, it's probably different notes, different freestyling, kind of. Yeah, I mean, Squidward, too, just touching on him. I mean, we're going into actors now. We'll, we'll discuss our favorites in a second, but Squidward and his song has a, a tap dance sequence, and... The amount of effort it takes to tap dance and do it well and quickly as he as much as he did it is just astonishing. And to do it with, you know, double leg props attached to you and make it look great, I, I mean, I don't think I can appreciate that enough. Like I know I could never do that in a million years, and I know a lot of people that could never dream of doing that, but he, he killed it. He made it look effortless. Not only did he make it look effortless, he also made it look like those double prop legs were also tapping with him. I know, and that's, I mean, I don't know how much you have to practice to do that, but every time he moved, you, you felt like they were actually moving with him. And I mean, that's probably, I mean, part in the prop itself being so well-crafted. But two, I mean, as an actor, you have to consider that. It's not like he, I never felt like he completely ignored them. I felt like he was aware of his legs the entire time. Yeah, it, it was basically another appendage on his body. I mean, there's a few other people to touch on. We saw the understudy of Mr. Krabs, uh, Matt Wood. We didn't actually get to see Brian Ray Norris, who is the normal Mr. Krabs. But, I mean, we both said it when as soon as we heard him say anything. He had a great Mr. Krabs voice. Yeah, his, his Mr. Krabs voice was, it was almost like you could have told me he was the voice actor and I would have believed you. Yeah, there's only a few parts where it came through that he didn't have it completely down, but they were so, and it was mostly singing. Yeah. So it was, it was almost unnoticeable and the props just having the boxing gloves for his hands. <laughs> was, was great. 
I'm still trying to figure out how he picked up those bags of money with those gloves. Wait, I mean, we're not supposed to understand it. Mr. Krabs does everything with crab claws. Yeah. And I think that that's a callback just to how silly SpongeBob is and how they translated that to the the theater experience because that's something that is silly and wouldn't translate well to a more serious uh, theater adaptation of something. But for SpongeBob, that just works. It just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's definitely got to be a little freeing to the prop designers and stage managers for uh, how silly they could be with this uh, this production and it still be taken seriously by the fans. Now, I mean, your your favorite actor, I think you you stated was SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna go into why that is? I know we've touched on his performance and just how he brought life to the character, but what else did you like about it? I think he just, and I kind of I kind of read um, in the playbill. There's a little bit. There's a little thing called uh, it's like an article called "How Does a Sponge Laugh," and it's like a it's like him explaining how he got into the character and he explains how like to be spongebob you have to be optimistic you have to be uh you have to be happy you have to always look on the bright side he like he wasn't just acting as spongebob he kind of took on some of that life himself almost a method actor yeah um being being the character being that role and it's just impressive that he can do that with spongebob like the sponge at the bottom of the sea from like i said from the moment he woke up in the play um him talking to gary him talking to patrick his silly walk uh his spongebob walk was perfect um his smile all of his just his personality was perfect for the role and the fact that it was his first broadway play not like his first starring role it's his first ever broadway production was was astonishing to me he he definitely breathes life into a character that is already so full of life now i i I mean i would say honestly i think spongebob is my favorite character as well just because of uh, what what he does with it but just to touch on some of the people we haven't mentioned i think uh sandy uh, the actress, or the actress's name was uh, Lily Cooper. I think she did a great job being uh, that strong female um, scientific role in a relatable way. Because, I mean, she has a major role to play in, you know, solving everything and saving everybody, and she does a, a great job. Yeah, um, she's definitely she she did that role uh, perfectly. It wasn't overdone. Um, I'm sure to some of the writers' credits, uh, it was it was very important to them to not overdo the female role and not make it too silly, like Sandy can come off in the cartoon sometimes. Yeah, Sandy does is a little bit over the top sometimes, and almost in an annoying sense, and you never get that to with some. this character. Yeah, um, she definitely she definitely pulled it off well. We touched on Patrick making him believable. Uh, who was the actor that played Patrick? His name is Danny Skinner. Yeah, he, Danny um, pulled it off well to make him not seem just like a lazy slob, but kind of a, just a relatable in the house person. I know, I know, you really enjoyed Plankton. I did. I thought he uh, he just exuded a charisma that the villain 
comic relief role needs. And I'm it's comparable to when you see The Lion King as a, a Broadway show or a theatrical show, not on Broadway, but done from Broadway. And Zazu is um, that realistic, uh, almost comic relief in a sense, where he, he makes snide, sarcastic jokes, but he's very serious. And you need a, a major uh, charisma to do that. And I think the, the guy who played Plankton did a great job doing that. And especially with his... His song, you know, it was just fantastic that he could pull that off because he had to rap pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, Wesley Taylor is his name. Yeah, I, but I mean, overall, it's it's just a fantastic experience. I only have a, a few things I think that I that could use improvement. My, one of my least favorite parts, I would have to say, is the electric skates. I just thought they served no purpose except for like maybe a cheap laugh with that guy that just kept saying rock and roll. But I didn't think that was funny. It just didn't land well with me. I don't know about you. I mean, there's always characters like that in SpongeBob. Um, Plenty of them in the movie. uh, Plenty of them throughout the series. Just um, silly people that like they themselves aren't funny, but the people around them are. They may not have served a purpose for the plot-wise, like the whole story overall, but the whole Crabs-Pearl dynamic they kind of helped with, and then also with Squidward towards the end. Yeah, they definitely serve a purpose. It's just their characters didn't fit right into it for me. I felt like they stood out as not SpongeBob. That was when I felt I was in a theater experience. As opposed to everything else, I felt like I was watching Spongebob. Yeah, I did. I will say they they have a punk rock vibe, those characters. Um, they're like supposed to be a punk rock band. They come out on skateboards. Um, I think they reached a little too far with that. They should have definitely... I think historically in the series, Pearl sticks with like the Backstreet Boys boy band type thing or NSYNC. Yeah, it's usually more uh yeah, 90s early 2000s boy bands as opposed to like some sort of punk alternative group which is what we got. And that might have that might have fit better cuz it might not have been a completely different shift in tone cuz it's almost like when their their little musical number they do and they come out there like everything is disrupted in a sense, maybe the flow. Yeah, and I kind of felt that way with um Another musical number, the No Control, where they like announce the whole uh, problem. Not to get too much into the plot. Are you talking about the Perch 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 Perkins song? Yes. Yeah, I could see that too. It is. It gets really dark there, almost for no reason, and it, it's not very long. It's not like a big fantastic musical number. Like a, a people aren't. There's not a whole lot involved. It's really Perch singing the song. And it does kind of stand out. I, I I do agree. I didn't even think about that to be honest, because everything else just was just too good. Yeah, I think the I think only really those two uh, parts were the part where they kind of they kind of got away from the SpongeBob feel because I mean that song was supposed to be like the panic of the town, and in it, like just thinking of the the SpongeBob movie and other parts. Um, the worm episode, like they could have done a 
more silly kind of riot, I think it would have worked better. I really wanted Patrick to suggest pushing Bikini Bottom somewhere else. They should have. I don't know why they did. I, I think that was a missed opportunity, though. They got in some fantastic uh, Patrick lines, and Patrick's song was awesome anyway. So, Yeah, I think they, they could have definitely uh, fit that in, and who knows, maybe they did in other performances. Maybe it's like an interchangeable reference thing. So what, what haven't we talked about that you you wanted to bring up as something good? I mean, there's not a lot of things to harp on in terms of the uh, just the, the the musical overall overall because it was just so good. But what are what are some things that we haven't mentioned? Well, the one thing that is uh, is actually bad that uh, we kind of touched on was again with the electric skates. There's a moment there where um, they're kind of doing like skateboard stunts and tricks and. Uh, one of the electric skates does a really like athletic skateboard trick where he's doing a handstand on two skateboards and it's not two side by side skateboards it's two skateboards on top of each other and the balance that that takes is impeccable unfortunately for the performance we saw um the dismount of that trick he actually messed up on he recovered well but uh i just wanted to kind of throw that in of like that's another thing of like i think they're reaching a little too far with that i think that might be an actor choice too i don't i don't know that they tell him to do that i think he was trying to show off possibly but i feel like i feel like he wouldn't do too much uh showing off on stage yeah you just ne- you never know yeah. I, I mean i did notice it i don't think i think it was hard to miss but I didn't really count it as a bad just because of how hard to pull that off it actually was. I would have been astounded had he done it. Yeah, but I, mean, I wouldn't I was, expect somebody to do it. Yeah, I was still absolutely astounded for the beginning. It was just the dismount was kind of like a a disappointment in a way. I don't know. I just that was one thing. Um some things we already touched on, um, how it was like like some things positive um was how it felt like spongebob the the jokes they squeezed in the just the references it was almost as if they went on like spongebob reddit and just found the top like top five references of all of spongebob or like they sat through the first five seasons and just picked out things and put them in the uh in the musical yeah, there wasn't a lot. I mean, we don't really know a lot of new SpongeBob because we haven't watched it, but most of the references that were obvious callbacks were all early SpongeBob, the best episodes. I I mean, one of my favorite parts, I think, was after they had all taken their bows, when they did like the extreme like party version of the SpongeBob intro song. I yeah, mean, that was that was fantastic. And you could tell that the actors were into it like they wanted to be part of it. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing, and I actually am a little upset with myself because I wasn't. I I feel like I wasn't fully engrossed during that part because I was just distracted by uh, my girlfriend next to me. Um, just seeing her reaction to it, I I wish I would have actually just paid more attention to the stage during that, and it was also a little distracting with all the people standing up around us for the ovation and stuff, and I was kind of late to that, but. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I will say just comparing it to Anastasia because I saw it uh, just the previous night, and it's a whole different kind of musical, kind of Broadway performance uh, because it's not serious, and the plot is a plot that gives you the best of all the characters and not to tell a story or to um, get a point across. It's more about experiencing the characters and feeling like you're a part of it, which and, isn't bad at all. And it's just, it's really, really delightful and uh, really easy to enjoy and, and relaxing because it's kind of, it's kind of nice to just see something that's just entertaining without, and there was definitely like messages and, and uh, themes in the musical, but in uh, like you could pick them out, but, they weren't in your face about it. Would you, would you say it was an absolute delight? <laughs> I, I, I think I started out saying it was an absolute delight. That was the, uh, the, the poster quote uh, posted outside the palace. But, I mean, overall, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, just, just recap it, Nicholas. If you had to grade this, if you could grade it, what would you give it? I mean, like you just said, it said an absolute delight outside the palace. Um, I mean, I wish I could go see it again tomorrow. Uh, we saw it, what, two days ago now? Yeah, definitely. I, w I would go back and see it in a heartbeat, and I would definitely pay, like, top dollar to, to get great seats. Um, I think I think it was robbed a little bit on, on the Palace uh, posters. There's one that said four stars. I would definitely give it five stars. It's just a, it's a fantastic thing for people of all ages, um, anyone who enjoys cartoons and just silly entertainment, uh, for entertainment's sake and to put a smile on your face. It's a fantastic show. You can definitely see the emotion and how much all the actors care about these characters and care about the, the, um, their performance. I mean, I'm sure most of them grew up with this cartoon so it's just you can definitely see the passion in it. yeah and just to echo what you said i think all of that is true and i think if you ever get a chance to see it be it on broadway or off broadway if they tour or uh, they do different versions of it you should give it a shot even if you don't like spongebob you can still appreciate everything that's being done in this this musical uh, it's it really does relate to everyone, and it is something everyone can enjoy. I mean, people were walking out of the theater saying, what are you doing next weekend? Let's see this again. So it. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you there's somebody, like there's some character you can relate to uh, in, this, uh, in this production. Um, and I, I want to point out just one last thing that I just thought of. The, the Squidward in this performance, you see multiple Squidwards throughout the series. Um, I'm glad they didn't go with the stereotypical, uh, like, I hate life Squidward. Because they, I mean, they kind of did, but it was, they went with the artsy Squidward, which I think was a great choice for Broadway. Yeah, I mean, the character choices were on point. I think that's something we talked about but didn't necessarily directly reference. But flamboyant Squidward is, is the man. Yeah, it was it was absolutely fantastic.
12 seconds later. But uh, that's been our, our review of uh, our Broadway experience. Cinema 7 goes to Broadway. Uh, well, what what would you give it? You didn't you didn't say your rating. Well, you didn't you didn't give it a rating either. I said five stars. Oh, we're doing stars. I, well, I'd give it five stars. I said I would echo your performance. Okay. I'd give it a nine point five out of ten. I'd I'd probably give it uh, maybe a nine out of ten. Those electric skates rubbed me a little wrong way, but I, I loved it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it a ten out of ten. You know, Nick Kenoki, ten out of ten. Well, yeah, I mean. Anybody can do that. I could get a 10 out of 10 for making a documentary. I don't like you, so no. About SpongeBob. Maybe. Yeah, see, 10 out of 10. SpongeBob meets Batman, 10 out of 10. If you have Damian Wayne, it's 11 out of 10. That's true. You get the bonus. You get that bonus point for Damian Wayne. But as always, we're Cinema 7. Uh, I'm going to have Chris Hawk do his classic outro, but you can find us on the Twitter, the Facebook... All those places that Mario usually talks about that I'm not going to mention because you know where to find us if you're listening to us. Uh, but with that... Uh, well, fan- hold, hold on. I just want to add on to the, the Chris Hawk outro since I think this is a special edition. Uh, I would like to thank you for indulging in the fine arts with us. So uh, at Cinema 7, we want to thank you always for watching with us. We want to thank you for listening with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us. Yes.